Welcome to the Business of Dance podcast, where you'll learn what it takes to create your dream professional dance career. Join us as we dive into the insights and experiences of the world's top dance industry professionals, including dancers, choreographers, agents, casting directors, educators, and other dance industry experts. We explore a diverse range of topics, from personal development and mental skills to audition techniques, creating meaningful industry connections, social media marketing, seeking out dance agents and casting opportunities, on-the-job etiquette, talent unions, pitching to the media, health, finances, and so much more. Here is your host, Menina Fortunato. And I'm super excited about our guest of the day. This is someone that I have personally known for so many years, since I was a teenager, a really long time, 25-ish plus years. I'm going to try to do my best to introduce this guest because his credentials are forever long. He's been in the industry for longer than any of you have ever been alive. He has worked (laughs) with Michael Jackson on like the legendary American Music Awards that amazing performance. He was in Michael Jackson's The Ghost kind of short film music video back in the day. He was in the original series Fame, which is why I play a little bit of music. He's worked with Disney Paris, Tokyo Disney, Disney World, Disneyland. He's worked with multiple cruise lines, Norwegian, Princess, Carnival, Royal Caribbean. He's been on NBC, on Fox. He's worked with Caesars Entertainment. He's worked on all kinds of shows in Las Vegas. He's also done stage shows for Surf's Up and Planes, Fire and Rescue, Tangled, Monsters, Inc. at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. He has worked with Disney California's World of Color Spectacular as a choreographer. He has worked all over the world in Paris with Lido de Paris. I mean, the list goes on. He is truly legendary. He's literally the jack of all trades. He can he can dance, he can act, he can choreograph, he can direct. And my little story with him is I met him as a teenager. My parents hired him as a judge and a teacher with five, six, seven, eight showtime many years ago. So I got to take his class several times. He wrote an amazing letter of reference for me that helped me get into the US to get my O1 visa. He hired me as a dancer on multiple projects in California and Las Vegas. And then he was actually one of my first clients when I was designing websites for entertainers back in the day. And still to this day, I help him with his website from time to time. He's been a longtime friend, an amazing person, and I'm just so excited that we get a chance to speak to him. So let's give some virtual love for Mr. Mick Thompson. Are you with us, Mick? There you Hello. are. Hello. Hi, everyone. So Mick, welcome. So happy to have you. you. So Thank glad you. that you're here with us. There's so much to talk about with you. Your history in dance is just so extensive. I'd love to start at the beginning. If you sure. can kind of give us a backstory of when you started dance, how you got into dance, what started your dance life, kind of give us the beginning of of how this all started. Sure. It's a pretty unique story. I'm the youngest of five kids. And at 10 years old, I was asked from my parents what I wanted to do for for my hobby because I had to wait until everybody else was older that they chose to do what they wanted to do. And my older brother, Eric, he wanted to do ballroom dancing because where I lived in Modesto, California, 
we had a ballroom dance school that my parents actually were teaching at part time. And so my brother wanted to do the ballroom dancing and, and he got a lot of attention and he got to do gymnastics and ballroom dancing and stuff. So when they asked me when I was 10, what I wanted to do, I said, I want to dance like my brother. So I really didn't even know if that's what I wanted to do, but I wanted to make sure I took advantage of the opportunity to say what I wanted to do. So they didn't say, Oh, well then you don't know, forget it. You know? So the next thing I know is I'm going to ballroom dance class and once I did the cha-cha-cha, I knew that I was hooked. So it was in my blood. And five years later, I was the United States Ballroom Latin Champion in the United Amazing. States. Amazing. I didn't so, know that. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That's so, so cool. The ballroom dance was the core of my dancing style and, and my training. Then this was in 1982. Punk rock is out. I mean, I was also doing some disco dancing because ballroom and disco kind of mixed in together. And then they said disco was dying and the dance city that became, it was a huge dance. It went from a garage, a barn dance team to a big, huge full on building in Modesto, California called dance city is a big disco and everything. And it closed. So I was just becoming a junior in high school and I didn't know what I was going to do, but somebody asked me, Mick, what are you going to do? And I said, Oh, I, I don't know. They go, well, why don't you go to Las Vegas and be a dancer? You can make money. And I said, really? So I graduated from high school really quick. And the gentleman who told me about dancing had a son who danced in Las Vegas. The reason why I'm talking to you about Las Vegas is because back in the 80s and even before, that was a dance style that you don't see anymore. Dancing in Las Vegas had its own style. And it was a place where I could elevate to without having ballet or tap training or jazz training because if i would have went to la at that time i would have never made it if i would have went to new york i would have never made it so it was my ballroom training gave me enough experience to jump into the las vegas showboy style okay so i went to las vegas my mom and dad supported it and the gentleman told me that when you get to las vegas you just call one of the hotels, you ask for the costume department, the costume department will answer, you ask for the male dance captain, and you ask the male dance captain if you can have a private audition because you're in town and you want an audition for the show. Now, in between the shows in Vegas, there's not much for the dance captains to do because they're just sitting around backstage. And so they usually just say, sure, come on over. So I hightailed it over there to uh, the Tropicana first, and I did the choreography, and I caught on really fast. I mean, I was only 16. I had braces on my teeth, and I looked wow. young, but I was tall. Now, Las Vegas back then, you know, everybody was illegal. They were all from, you know, Spain, you know, Russia, Paris. I mean, nobody really had, you know, they weren't like, Work visas. <laughs> there was a lot of illegal aliens there, you know? So being <laughs> a young minor, it really didn't bother them. But I did tell them I was 18. I had to lie, you know? So... The point is, is that the dance choreography that I did in Las Vegas was something that I was able to do right away. There was no high batmas, there's no jetés, there's no pirouettes, all the things that, of course, we want you to be trained in right away. I did not know. So I got through this audition and the dance captain said, well, we don't really have any openings for you now, but they do down the street at the Casino de Paris, which was known to be the funky show. I went there and five days after arriving in Las Vegas, I signed a six-month contract to be one of the dancers in Casino de Paris. 
And after five days, after getting there, I learned the whole entire show in five days and I was performing within 10 days there. Wow. So, yeah. And you were was, 16? Was, I was 16 years old. But like I said, I, I graduated from high school. The producers were all a lot older. And so to them, everybody looked young. So they really just was like, you know, I know he's young, but they didn't even ask me for a, a workman's comp or a, a work card or anything. It was basically the hotels paid you. So, you know, if if you were working, you know, they just paid you. You know, So my parents came to see me perform shortly thereafter. And that's when my parents became like, you know, my best friends because the environment was is very glamorous and, and glitzy. It wasn't like, you know, dark or anything. And so they couldn't pull me away from that. They were like, well, honey, my your our son is making more money than you are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a, a no-brainer. But I had so much fun and, and learning. But as a dancer, this is how I learned how to continue my training was by doing shows. Now, this is different from what we want you guys to do. Uh, most of the dancers that are in uh, that learning how to dance. But I kind of did the whole fake it until you make it kind of a thing. So I just jumped around from doing one show to the next and doing the different choreography in the shows with my training. You know, so as I'm going to Las Vegas then shortly after that, I was asked to be the choreographer for a place called Rick's College, which is now called BYU Junior up in Idaho. And they needed a choreographer because the uh, Donnie Marie show has a musical director that's good friends with my parents. And they said, hmm. you know, maybe it would be a good idea for Mick to use his talents for, you know, people around his own age. And I said, yes. So my contract was up with the, the Dunes and I went to Riggs College and I became the Showtime Company choreographer. And again, I was still only 16. So I wasn't really able to go to school or college yet. So I had a long time waiting for the rehearsals to start. But we took this small little group of singers. We added four female dancers and then I performed in the show too. And then we started getting picked up. We went to a whole Africa tour. Wow. And so when I was down in Zimbabwe, I met these guys that were like, tell me about a place called Sun City, South Africa, which was a big Las Vegas down in South Africa. Just having that conversation like today about Sun City. I've been there. It's like a resort kind of village town. They have casinos and shows and water parks, right? You you know what I'm talking about then? Yes, oh my gosh. I'm yes. so glad I was that, just yeah. having this conversation with, with, with one of my client's parents. It's so funny. Go ahead. I just tried to interrupt, but that's I know so exactly weird. what you're no, talking that's about. That's crazy. So I did the same little skit as I, what they told me to do. I called, I got on the phone. I called the, the costume department down in, in, in Sun City, talked to the dance captain. And the gal who answered the phone on the costume department was the lead dancer in the show I just finished doing in Las Vegas, who was actually my dance partner. Her name was Sharon Shackelford. And she was like, Mick, my gosh, well, we need a dancer. She's like, everybody, Mick, we're going to bring this guy in. And so I didn't even have to audition. And the next nice. thing I know, I'm being flown from the school. The school was good about that because I couldn't really go back and do any any kind of classes so it wasn't like I was missing out on any schooling so I just jumped again to another show so now I'm 17 and then I come back after doing that contract now this is really gets really funny is now I go to my brother's in Los Angeles and I go uh, stay with him and he goes if you're going to stay in Los Angeles you got to get a job so I got a job scooping ice cream at Haagen-Dazs on Hollywood Boulevard Ah. Guess who comes? Guess who comes walking in is Debbie Allen and a few of the fame dancers. You know? Oh wow! 
<laughs> and so I asked her, I said, what kind of a show are you guys getting ready to, you know, what, what TV show or, I mean, what is the style of dance you guys are getting ready to perform next? And she said, we're going to do country. Actually, when I came back from South Africa, I went to the World's Fair to do a country show during the summer. So okay. I got some more country experience. And that, then I went to L.A., okay? So I was able to tell Debbie Allen that I just finished doing a country show at the World's Fair. And she goes, you did, did you? She goes, well, we need a few little extras to come on in to do some some uh, extra dancing. Can you, do you think you can make it? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be on fame. So I uh, <laughs> I went I, I went the next day, got up early, and made it to MGM Studios. I'm 17, and I'm doing a nightclub scene in a bar dancing Texas two-step. So um, <laughs> I looked a little out of place. And when you see the episode, Country Romeo and a Rock and Roll Juliet, you know, because like this is with the the uh, the big stars of the fame on this. But none of those kids were in this scene. But when I'm doing the Texas two step, I mean, you couldn't take your eyes off me because I was I was twirling this girl around and I was, had so much energy. The next thing I know it, Debbie Allen comes into me and she's like, Mm-mm-mm. she goes, come here, follow us. And it was like the Wizard of Oz. We're walking down. It was Otis Lee, me and Debbie Allen walking down the MGM Yellow Big Road. She said, we had a we had a, a person that needed to stay in New York and we need a replacement for this dance number. And she opened up the big MGM garage and there's all the fame dancers doing the professional country Romeo and rock and roll Juliet. This had all the, the diva dancers that I've been watching on television for years. And they said, you're jumping into this number. You know, nice. and this had the Marguerite Derricks. This had Marguerite Derricks, Cameron oh, English. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and Marguerite remembers that today. Now, remember, I had no training. So when I became one of the dancers, whenever they were casting dancers that had more than like their eight female and the eight male leads, then I would come in. And so I would have a chance to go do the ballet across the floor. Now, Thank goodness they did not run me out of town because Devion, when they saw me go across the floor, you know, trying to do the taste. And I mean, I, I wasn't even limber enough to touch my feet because as a ballroom dancer, <laughs> I like to be tight. I didn't like to be limber and loose because it made me feel like it took, I wasn't able to hit those marks really fast. So anyway, that's what happened. And then after the fame show, I kind of got mixed into the LA vibe and everybody was so friendly. The next thing I became a solid gold dancer. Which was oh, a really you were big solid gold as well. Oh my gosh, gold. that so is legendary! Oh, yeah, it just That's was been one gig after another. Yeah, yeah, solid gold. You know, and but like, what's fun about it is just doing the choreography from all these different choreographers was the training I was missing out on while all the other dancers were in class becoming fierce. But it didn't take long before I was right with them booking the same jobs, you know, because then then all those industrial shows came out with Fila and Reebok, Puma. Mm -hmm. And those guys are all the fierce dancers. And I was auditioning and getting into those jobs then. And then, you know, you just kind of like you soak up what they're doing. You know, when you're dancing next to really great dancers, you just have to fake it until you make it, you know. Well, you faked it rather well because you it sounds like you've never stopped working for the length that I've ever known. You're like, I'm going to Paris and I'm going to this, I'm going to Japan and I'm going to this. In fact, I'd love for you to share a little bit about what you're doing, working on right now, or if you're able to even share it yet. Actually, we just had a meeting last night on Zoom. Basically, we're getting preparing to do the uh, Michael Jackson concert via the metaverse and also creating Incredible. the Neverland theme park 
through the metaverse. So this is something that I've been uh, fortunate to be part of because the blueprints that were drawn by Michael Jackson when he was still alive were with Gary Goddard Productions, Landmark Productions. And uh, do you remember Landmark Entertainment, which was right there like on Lancashire and Magnolia? It was a pretty big building. Anyway, yeah, there yeah, was that's me. by the old Millennium over by... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I was just yeah. there the other day. Yes. Yeah. Well, so this was the company that I did the little, how everything turns, you know, just matches up. The little show I did, the country western show I did at the World's Fair actually yeah. became Landmark Entertainment. All right. So, um, ah. so they're the ones that designed all of the Universal Studio attractions there. They started doing them. Anyway, they designed with Michael Jackson the blueprints of the Neverland theme park. And Gary wanted to see if I had anybody that might be interested. And I said, well, my Chinese contacts, you know, because I go to China and I've been choreographing for their Baryshnikov. I don't want to get off on the story. You're asking me about the metaverse. So anyway, I connected Gary Goddard Productions into the Chinese producers that I know. And they got together to decide to now start developing this metaverse whole thing. Because with the way things are, instead of going and flying to another country to go to the Neverland, why not just put on some goggles and go there? And uh, experience all the rides and everything without even going out of your living room. So, I mean, it's a long time in effect, but they just were telling me tonight, uh, last night, that they'll be getting into the next, uh, the next, they already got the investors on. So it shouldn't be that much longer before you start seeing this kind of thing. But, you know, the thing that makes us different is because we have the original group for Michael Jackson's musical director. We have the estate on board. We have the producers from Gary Goddard and stuff like that. So it should be pretty fun. And the only reason why they chose me is because I just have been one to always want to keep Michael's spirit alive. I'm in charge of the ultimate thriller, which was the concert that has been going on for about, it's a tribute show that's an iconic concert. And it, we started off in Germany, we traveled around the world and it's got the band of Michael Jackson. Again, it's got Michael Prince, who's the uh, musical director for Michael, but it hasn't really been doing much lately. So we're kind of just taking it and progressing into, instead of going and making a concert where you have to tra- tra- tour, we're going to make it into the metaverse. That's so it's pretty exciting, you know. So congrats. um, Yeah, that's just when I thought you've done it all. There's now a new project that's completely new territory (laughs) for I mean for entertainment, period. This whole like virtual entertainment. I've been so blessed. It's amazing. I mean, I just feel like I've been just kind of guided when you listen to your heart and go where you want to go, where your dreams are. I'm so Disney-ish, but it's like your dreams really do come true, you know, because Disney's a whole nother outlet that I... Yeah, you've been, been involved with the with. Disney family forever, doing so many Disney shows and Disney projects. How did you break into the whole Disney? Because you really... Okay, so, like then, so, when, so when I'm 19 years old, I'm now, you know, in the LA mix, after doing Solid Gold and stuff. So then there's an audition for a, a TV special. Back in the day, they had TV specials, Disney TV specials, which they would have dancers on. It wasn't like you just had all these Disney channels and stuff like that so when disney specials came on they would do you know concerts with dancers and stuff so i did disneyland summer vacation party and barnett ritchie who was one of the directors she was the one that cast me from there i was asked to go if i wanted to choreograph the mickey mouse club and so they oh, sent me to you Orlando. choreographed the mickey mouse club i choreographed the mickey mouse club 
Was, and so, was that and with Brittany went, and Justin? That and Christina? It was the group or? right before them. It was called the Party. Ah, uh, uh, okay. D, d, yeah, it was. The, it was just before Brittany and them. Because when Brittany came on, they've already transferred me to become the main choreographer for a place they called Pleasure Island. Oh, okay. And yes. Play, yeah, and a lot of you might know Bart Doffler and Chris Judd. They yes. were my dancers. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> fun. Pleasure Island was the place for the dancers to do the evening types. So, so we got to do really cool, funky dances. And and we had to switch out the dance numbers like that. So I was choreographing there from 1993 to, and I was still, I think I was only like 25 years old when they brought me over there. This is when the Michael Jackson stuff kind of coming back. So my best friend, Lavelle Smith at the time, Mm -hmm. he and I met on the Academy Awards when I did that one year. And he was the first guy that Michael Jackson cast when he left his brothers. So it was uh, Lavelle Smith, Randy Allaire, and uh, uh, Dominique, and Eddie Garcia. Those were the four guys. Was that that the bad tour? The bad tour? This would have been the victory tour. The victory, okay. Yeah, it was even before that, okay? And so Lavelle being part of Michael's, you know, dance, one of the dancers, he now has an opportunity to be Michael's choreographer in 1993. And Lavelle said to me, Mick, I would like you to audition for Michael Jackson. And I'm like, no way, really? So I never knew I could dance like Michael or do that style because I was so busy doing the, you know, American stuff, you know, with the blonde hair. And doing all this, you know? <laughs> I was doing the, the Debbie Gibsons and all that kind of stuff, videos and stuff. Anyway, so I flew to L.A. from Orlando. And I auditioned. Now he goes, now, Mick, no pressure, Lavelle tells me. But because everybody knows we're best friends, you have to be the best in this room. And I'm like, oh, no my pressure. God. <laughs> so I, when I did the choreography for Michael for the first time, I sort of had to say to myself, Mick, you know, just do it like you're acting. Like this is a gig that you just have to, boom, you know, so you just have to just feel it and just act like this is no problem. And I just played the part and I just nailed it. And somehow the Michael Jackson style just was, it, it just turned up on me. Cause I remember trying to do Michael when Lavelle was around. I was like, oh, I can't do this. It's too hard. But when, when we started doing Dangerous, that was my first number to the point where not only was Lavelle happy, but Michael Jackson told Lavelle he wanted me to be his shadow. The shadow is the the spot that is going to be always to Michael's right or to his left. So wherever Michael goes, I need to stay next to him. I do not get the the choreographers do not move me around to different places on stage. They have to keep me here or here. (laughs) And that's a position that I was so honored to have because Michael was just like, no, Mick Thompson, he's my shadow. You know, so that's amazing. um, I remember that performance. It was the the AMAs, right? Dangerous. In fact, um, we did the AMAs. Yeah. Stacey Walker taught a little segment of that performance to the Hollywood Summer Tour dancers, which Riley was on here. She got a chance to learn. Uh, so, Riley, oh. you saw Mick dancing behind Michael and you don't, you didn't even know it. So, uh, <laughs> totally wild. But we were studying, we were studying that last summer. Iconic performance. So good. Now, so now let me tell you a little bit about state. So, so after I got involved with Michael and doing those jobs, then I remember we were doing 1995. We did Dangerous again, and we needed a dancer. Lavelle and Travis asked me if I knew of a dancer that they think they could could come in and get this thing down. And I mentioned Chris Judd. 
Chris Joe was one of my Disney dancers. So I called Disney casting and I asked for permission to submit Chris if he can get out of his contract to come and work for Michael. And she's like, like, what am I going to say? No. And Chris Judd was like, Oh my gosh, Mick. He was so worried. He goes, do you think I'm not, I'm not, I can't do that. I, I mean, but I said, Chris, I know you're funky, you know, I mean, you get my choreography. I mean, I know that this is going to be a style that you're going to be able to do. And he came in and he, and he tore it up. And, you know, as you know, Chris Judd took, he went on beyond, he became oh, Michael's, yeah. one of Michael's four principal dancers, you know? Yeah. And while we were there and then, uh, when, and then eventually Lavelle and Travis came to Orlando for fun or something just to go enjoy his time. And Stacy Walker was now the lead dancer in a show called, you know, at Pleasure Island, the, the uh, midnight show. I think Travis and Stacy knew each other from Atlanta before, mm-hmm. but he hasn't seen her perform as a lead. And he just, I just remember Travis is going, it's all about Stacy. It's all about <laughs> Stacy. And praise the Lord, Stacy has been with Travis ever since that night. Yeah, they, they're inseparable. They have their own podcast. Yeah. They choreograph together. They do yeah. together. They do everything together. No, super cool. And honestly, it's really about who you know. And if you just keep your nose clean and just be professional, people will always recommend you for your next gigs and stuff like that. It's a little bit, might be a little bit different in today's because it seems like it's very oversaturated with a lot of different avenues, but you're still going to be looked at. And it's a recommendation from your friends and coworkers who are going to help you get to the next place, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I think that that hasn't changed. Uh, yes, the yeah. dance industry may have changed, and but relationships has always and will always be valuable. And I mean, I say it all the time. I wouldn't have had a career if it weren't for the relationships that I've had. And you being one of them, you were one of, <laughs> I, one of those I relationships remember. that, uh, you know, you helped me when I, you know, just had a big dream and I was a teenage kid and then hired me and then here we are 25 whatever plus years later you were you were so big you you were already so popular by the time i was trying to get you i remember trying to get you know saying disney hey we have a i said menina disney wants you for this show and you're like meg i want to do it but i can't i gotta do this job i'm like okay remember herbie for we were doing the herbie fully loaded and we wanted you to do the show but you you were booked on something else you know so yeah, it's um, very possible i mean i i had a good run i'm I, i'm very very yeah. thankful but so. i could talk to you all day but I want our business of dance mentees to have sure, an opportunity sure. to interact with you and ask questions. All right. We have Miss Tasia. Hello, I'm Tasia. I live in Sacramento, California. And my question is about the Michael Jackson ghost short film. I absolutely love that one. What was it like being a part of that whole thing? Like, what was your favorite part about it? Well, my favorite part about that was when Michael would come on the set and we just got a chance to film what we've been working on. We worked really hard on the choreography on that. I play Uncle Creepsley. I'm the the ghost that comes out of the portrait and my foot comes at it. And I look kind of like a, a scary schoolmaster. I'm the bald headed guy with the long the sideburns, you know. But when Michael would come on and we had a chance to do the, the dancing and with all these other ghosts, it was just on fire. It was just a, a spirit that was just so different because being in the set having the all the different the music you know going the the choreography being really interesting to do watching michael play his character you know it wasn't like we were just doing a one-time performance we got to do this you know over and over and over so it was just electrifying for me i just was i mean i could just dance in that on that set all day long 
Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. You know, I'm from Modesto, so you're not too far away. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank that's you really so much. Fun. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tasia. All right, we're going to move on to Cam. Hi, I'm Cam. I'm from Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm 15 years old. My question is, since you've been in the industry for so long, has there ever been like a moment of like doubt almost of like, oh, why am I doing this? Or like just doubt and how did you get it? I have not had the doubt because I always thought to myself that there's going to be somebody or some place that I can still be of service. When I got out of the headspace of trying to always be in with the Joneses, so to speak, and that I wanted to branch out and teach, you know, internationally, it opened up some more avenues for me. So no matter what I was at the time feeling, I would ask my higher power where I could go to continue because I feel like, you know, talent and, and spirit is very much combined together. And I was taken to China and I started doing musical theater in China for kids. And what changed it, then I I found a different genre. I became an animated storytelling musical movement choreographer because that is a way that when you hear the words in the musical from in Chinese, you have to tell the story in what they're saying with your body because they don't know what to do. And so when you have those doubts, you look for another avenue that you could turn into. Now I became an animation specialist for Disney because of that experience. Amazing. So don't ever have doubt. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cam. All right. Next up, we have Miss Victoria. Hi. Hello. I'm Victoria. I'm from Michigan. And my question to you is just, what would you say is like your proudest moment in your career? I would say my proudest moment actually was when I, as a performer, of course, it would be with Michael Jackson when I did the dangerous, you know, routine for him. And when we traveled around, but as a choreographer, I would say it would be when I choreographed the beautiful extravaganza in Paris called the Lido de Paris. It was able to bring back my beginnings when I was in Las Vegas and add all the different elements of dancing from Los Angeles, from my ballroom, from my musical theater. And I was the very last choreographer to have the opportunity to choreograph an extravaganza in Paris that ran on the Champs-Élysées for 15 years. And so it was a beautiful extravaganza. It had 120 dancers. This was, it was the biggest highlight of my career, you know, as a choreographer. It looked beautiful. I never saw the show live, but all of your photos and clips, the costuming and everything, it looked like yeah, a yeah. classic Vegas style with the French original flair. The difference was, is before I did the choreography, there was a level of dancing that you only achieved, which was, you know, the showgirl dance. And then, you know, you it was more about just the parading of the costumes in a, in a in fashionable way. And But I brought in dance. I mean, you thought I would do the world of dance competition dance numbers in that show. You know, I mean, everything stepped up. We have the showgirl number, but then we have the dancers come on and really work, work it out. And that was the difference between all the other shows. And, and, and that's why it was so successful and ran so many years, you know? 
I kind of go down in history as as the one that upgraded the dancing styles of the Lido and made so now when they go to the Lido, they were like, oh no, you're not going to just see uh, showgirls walking around. You're going to see some dance, you know? So that made me happy. And as a dancer, let me tell you, Mick will make you dance. It's five heads, <laughs> six heads, seven and eight. Oh, let's change it. No, let's do it again. Let's do it this way. Same side. Da, da, da. My brain, every time I worked with you, was always like, ah, hold it for dear life. <laughs> but it always was high energy, challenging, especially mentally, very mentally challenging. Oh, yeah. I did learn from that era that I needed to be sure I had an assistant to work it out with before I teach it with the cast because I had it, you know, because, you know, you feel the the music differently sometimes, but you don't want the cast to go through that suffering, but uh, the existence <laughs> don't mind. You but... just have to stay on your toes. When you're working with Mick, you have to stay on your toes. You're like, okay, what is he doing next? Okay, he's going to do this next. Oh, oh no, he changed his mind. We're going to go this next. So just when you think you get comfortable, oh, we're going to change it all up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope not to do that as much these days. You know, I usually make sure I'm pretty clear on what I want before I, I start teaching the cast, you know? It's, it's great for dancers, though. It keeps you on your toes. You got to be sharp, you know what? A lot of these competition dancers, they will learn a routine. They rehearse it for 10 months out of the year and they're perfecting it. But working with you, you got to be quick. You got to be fast paced. I think that's a great skill to have. So working with you definitely taught me that. Great question. And thank you so much, Victoria. Thank you so much. Yes. Appreciate that. All right. Next up, we have Miss Carrington. Hi, my name is Carrington. And my question is, what was your most memorable job and why was it that memorable? It always seems to go back to the Michael Jackson. I don't need, I don't know why, just because, not because he was such a big popular man, but it was just the whole, the cast, they all became my brothers and how we elevated each other and, and kept each other really strong. And just, we toured together for like, we were all together for like nine years, basically. So I just have to re- keep thinking that, I mean, I've done a lot of movies. I've done, I'm in the movie Newsies. I'm in the movie Enchanted. I'm in the movie The Prom. I mean, I've done a lot of, lot of gigs, but as a performer, Michael Jackson is going to be something I'm always going to cherish as the highlight of my career. You know, my biggest Disney gig that I choreographed though, I would say was going to be the Hercules Victory Parade because again, we changed the level of the dancing and Disney was like, Mick, I don't know if these dancers can do this choreography all through the park, but the dancers were like, yes, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. So it was the first parade where the dancers really stepped up and they danced through that whole entire parade. So the Hercules victory parade is one of my highlights for Disney. Yeah. I think I learned that choreography. I think you taught it once in a, in a class that I, the Hercules. Um... Who put the hook? Yeah. Who put the hook in gladiators? Who yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah. I remember yeah. being, Super fast. I remember that's all I remember. (laughs) I watched the video of that and I'm like, oh my gosh, those kids are like, how did they do it? But they they didn't want to change it. Basically, you know, they say no because you know we had to be sure that it was uh, it was okay with the health team that they had there to be sure that they weren't going to get any injuries and stuff. So we you know they had to modify a little bit here and there, but it went down as a big dance parade. You know. So sometimes I go back and I don't see that level of dance in the parades. I see them in, in different uh, different shows and stuff, but not in the parades as much. But it was sort of fun, you know? Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carrington, for your question. I'm going to bring up Isabel. Hi, my name is Isabel Hull. I'm 13 years old and I live in Oregon. And my question for you is, what's the hardest job you've done and why? 
Oh, the hardest job I've done was Ghost because I was uh, probably the oldest dancer in there. I think I would have been probably 28 or 29 at the time. But Antone and Richmond were the new 16 and 17, 18-year-old choreographers that Michael was kind of using, Lavelle and Travis were kind of working with as well. And the choreography that we did with Ghost originally was not what you saw in the video. It was harder and harder and harder and harder. And so it was definitely my hardest gig to do because they were, I, I don't know if you know Richmond and Tone, but their choreography is very difference between break dancing it's very low to the mount you know so it was down up down up down up jump down i mean i loved it but even michael had to to mellow it out a bit and brought in barry lather to mm, put it back put it, yeah yeah to put it back into a style that he could actually do you know so but for about a good six seven weeks we were training with richmond and tone and lavelle and travis and and they had they i was i was thinking i hope i can hand this i want i don't want to lose my job but i was struggling but because it was so hard but it was awesome when you saw what they did it was really really cool but what barry ended up with was um really really uh kosher too it was it was you know the style that was made sense and was clean and um everybody was uh you know able to to get through especially once you put the costumes on and the makeup you know i mean you need to have a chance to breathe so thanks for that question it reminds me just brought back sweating to me <laughs> ghost <laughs> yeah i love it all right thank you so much isabel um, all right miss sophia hi my name is sophia and my question for you is that is there anything like i could search up like any videos or like actually like literally anything i could search up to learn more about the solid gold or the performance the dangerous performance yes yeah yeah i mick mic thompson choreography on youtube i got a youtube channel and then otherwise you can just type in uh, mtv dangerous and uh, or you can go to my website there's a lot of videos there am i allowed to give that to them it's uh, a yeah, of course of course it's a mix mixmatch.com it's m-i-c-s-m-a-t-c-h mixmatch.com you'll see pictures with me with michael jackson you'll see disney clips and, and videos and stuff like that but I also have a lot of, um, I'm, I'm a choreographer on uh, choreography.online, choreography online, and which is when I break down some com- combinations and routines for, for kids to use for um, different recitals and stuff like that, you know, but that was created more for the COVID time when we weren't going to classes and they, they still wanted to continue learning. So choreography online was developed for that. I have a lot of videos on there just of the past of the stuff. Like you said, I saw gold on there. I've got a lot of different movies from back in the day. I got shows from the Reebok dancers. Mick Thompson choreography on YouTube. You'll see lots and lots and lots of videos. You can, you can watch a lot of them. All my Disney shows are uploaded on there too. You know, that you like. Tons of work. And even, even the names that Mick is mentioning, all of these Barry Lathers, Tone and Rich, uh, Marguerite Derrick's like, these are all like the OGs of the dance world. So if, uh, if he's bringing up names that you're like, who are these people? <laughs> I would recommend going, listening to this again and writing <laughs> down all these names and looking up the names of these people to find out who he's talking about. He's talking about a lot of big names in the dance world that were 
very significant long before any of you guys were alive. So um, Mar- yes. Marguerite is still uh, winning Best Choreography, Tony Awards, yep. um, even now. And Barry Lather is Carrie Underwood's director. He choreographs a lot of different concerts. Um, he's a dear friend of mine. And uh, we all met like when we were kids on Fame, you know? <laughs> That's so, so wild. Well, Barry Lather was one of the first choreographers to hire me for when I first moved to L.A. When I did Britney, Pepsi's Britney Spears, he, he Brian Friedman, and Wade Robson were the choreographers and oh my god worked with barry lather on another tour i worked with tone and rich on another tour yeah all the names that you've mentioned are pretty amazing so that dancers you got some you got some homework to do after this you got to watch (laughs) this we listen to this write down the names of all these projects he's talking about if you guys even know what solid gold or fame is so you guys are so young you may not even know but your parents i guarantee know or even your grandparents (laughs) if they're around would know thank you so much sophia thank you Um, we're going to go back to Tasia. She had another question, a follow-up. Sure. Yes. So it's about Vegas. So are jobs like that, like still available in Vegas? Like, could you literally like go to the hotel and be like, I want to work here or whatever? Well, unfortunately, no, they were called extravaganzas. At one time, there was not one hotel that did not have an extravaganza all the way from the Hacienda. They had Fire and Ice, uh, Tropicana, had the Follies Bizarre. Um, then you had the Casino de Paris, then you had the Jubilee, then you had the Desert Inn show, then you had the Siegfried and Roy show. Every hotel had its extravaganza. And in each one of those shows, there would be at least 100 to 150 dancers employed by those shows. And it was an opportunity for you to, and they had a lot of cabaret shows. But unfortunately now with Circus Soleil, they've kind of taken over the, the, the Las Vegas Strip. So the showgirl has died unfortunately. And even in Paris, they closed the Lido. So um, people, yeah, yeah. There's no more extravaganzas. You know, I think Dubai might be picking up one or two because I've been asked to work with Ming Jungwan. I I wanted to let you know one little other thing that I'm really proud of is I was the very first American choreographer that was Mm -hmm. allowed to go to China in the 90s to train the Chinese dancers in funk and hip hop. In any type of style that was not ballroom or ballet, a man named Ming Jungwan, who is the equivalent of Mikhail Baryshnikov, who was the, you know, in Russia, I know you guys are pretty young, but he was the first one to get approval from the government of China to bring an American in to train the Chinese how to do Las Vegas and stuff like that. So it was a big honor for me to go there and train hundreds and hundreds of dancers to do all of my ballroom funk kind of stuff that were ended up becoming big extravaganzas. And the, my last one that I did was called World Joyland in China. You can type in World Joyland. They had a big show. But now, you know, things a little bit changed over there in China. But I still am proud to say that I had that title of the, you know, being honored with that opportunity to go train this Chinese. I mean, they had a lot of Russians and different uh, nationalities that would come through China to perform, but not the Chinese. So the Chinese didn't get an opportunity. And even in musical theater, they didn't have an opportunity to do their musical theater and act and dance the way they do now. So I've been really happy to. I've been going to China like almost every year, except the last four years. It's kind of things been kind of slowing down over there for us. So, mm-hmm. yes, I was curious because you said cabaret, like I've always wanted to do like burlesque or cabaret. So I was like curious to know, like what you know of that is like 
maybe close to Sacramento or in Vegas. The thing in Sacramento, I know that uh, they've got like dinner shows there that, you know, you can start out with. I, I was doing um, some stuff up there, but what you want to do is, is um, just get with the dancers that do live performances at the fairs. You know, like, do you, are you in the studio that, that does any performances? No. Do they, oh, okay. But so, she's and, done and, uh, State Fair. She's done mm-hmm. State Fair. She just performed okay. with Genuine uh, this month. So she's. Yeah, you're performing in State Fair. She's not she's not at a studio anymore as a competition kid. She's she's a woman okay. now. <laughs> yeah. I never I never did any competition or anything, but I definitely have done the State Fair twice actually. One with Genuine and then another one with a team here in Sacramento called Vibe Tribe that my friend Jalen owns and is CEO of. So yeah, it's really stick cool. with them. Stick with them and then you're gonna meet somebody <laughs> that's gonna bring you another opportunity. Thank you. Stick, I appreciate stick that. With the, the high, the high level dancers stick with them, you know, and then, and then another opportunity will come from that. I promise. Awesome. Just, Thank you so much, Tasia. Yes. We got two more questions. Uh, sorry. We're a little bit over, but uh, everybody has questions. Want to talk to you, Mick. Mm-hmm. We have Anya. My name is Anya. I'm from Serbia, but I live in Vancouver now, Canada. Uh, my question to you is when you look back now, is there anything that you would change or do differently now? And what is the advice that you would give to your younger self? Okay, well, let me answer the first part first is no, I would not want to change anything that I did. I thought I just did more than anything I could have ever stepped out to believe. I mean, if I just thought to myself to just to go and perform in Las Vegas and have that opportunity just to do that one show, I, it would have over exceeded my expectations of what I was going to do. I didn't step into this this dance world to become... I'm going to be a fame dancer or I'm going to be a Michael Jackson dancer. A lot of kids, their ambition is like, you know, they set their goals high, but it's not as fun to achieve that goal when you're out to attack it, you know? And now that may be opposite from what we're supposed to be teaching you kids because you want them to achieve that, you know, go get, go out and get it, you know? But I think it also just happens when you're in the progression of doing it, enjoying the process. So then everything is like, wow, really? You know, really? So I wouldn't want to change anything because everything kind of came out to me like, Mick, there's another opportunity here. Here's another opportunity. And you know what's funny? is they never really came from an agency. They only came from word of mouth, you know? So that's why you just want to, of course, your agents will keep you busy and and work out your deals and stuff. But somebody will call your agent and say, you know what? We heard about Mick. We want to use Mick and stuff like that, you know? So, but what was the second part of your question? Uh, What is the advice that you would give to your younger self now? I would say challenge yourself to learn some something that you doesn't come naturally. So like maybe... I should have challenged myself to learn some more tap because tap is another style of dance that I really, really admire. It's another outlet that I could have used for my choreography and stuff like that. But let me tell you, in Hollywood, they fake it. So whenever I did TV shows, I would be dancing right next to the starring tap dancer and I'd be right next to them faking my tap dance. I'm like, how do they not know I'm faking? I mean, I'm so faking this, you know, but but I would rather have really have known what I was doing. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you there, so there, much. There's nothing You're you welcome. can't. There's nothing you can't do, Mick. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Last question, and then I have someone that wants to come say hello to you. But we'll get to okay. that in a minute. Riley. Hi, my name is Riley LeBay. I'm from Vancouver, BC, and I'm 17 years old. And I was doing a little research on you. 
<laughs> it said that you were on Pirates of the Caribbean, and I'm just like dying to know what you did on that. Okay, show. I'm one of the I'm on the, I'm one of the pirates on the the Pearl, the making of the Moonlight Serenade. If you if you Google that, you can actually see what I look like because in the movie I'm a skeleton. You would never really know which one I am, but in the making of the movie, you can see me scrubbing the floor. I'm actually I'm just kind of scrubbing the floor. It's a very scene, but it's a very popular scene. You know when when she turns into a skeleton and they have that shot of the guy that's doing the scrubbing. That's me. <laughs> but so uh, cool. yeah, it, it was fun. <laughs> we did a lot more filming for that, but it was like because the actors needed some dancers between them to keep the rhythm so they were on timing with the uh, shots, you know. So that's how I got that gig, you know. But that also turned into doing a lot of stuff for Disney. I ended up doing the Honda Mansion and then I the World of Color. They actually uh hooked me up on the animation wires and just let me go at it. And then, you know, they turn me into like a goose, a ghost, a witch, a pumpkin. I mean, I'm a dancing everything when it comes to Disney. So anyway, but Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff. Yeah, so. I love it. That's I so didn't cool. know that. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. All right. Before we wrap up, there's someone that is dying to speak to you, Mick, um, who would like to share a few words. In fact, uh, you were just talking about earlier about how you've impacted my life over the years, that I should de- decades, and you Im- you impacted this person's life as well. And it really goes back to the whole relationships and how we're all connected, and one thing leads to another. So the person that is acting as Manina Fortunato can they appear? Dun dun dun, Mr. JJ Viad. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Who happens to be our talent recruiting director for the business of dance. And I hear you guys have an impeccable story as well. JJ, you want to chime in? JJ. My brother, it is so good <laughs> to see you, hear you. I've been back here behind closed curtains. Man, it is good to see all of you guys on this Zoom call. I've gotten a chance to speak to most of you guys. I've brought a lot of you guys into the program. And, you know, a lot of you guys don't know this, but this beautiful soul right in front of you that has been blessing you with so much wisdom and just experience as well as wonderful stories of greatness of decades of dance. This man helped me myself get the start that I needed in my career. And ironically enough, I actually saw him post uh, that he was going to be speaking here. uh, I think it was yesterday. And I just got back from San Diego from doing a public speaking event to uh, a whole bunch of uh, business um, owners and entrepreneurs. And one of the teaching points was talking about how you build magnetic charisma relationships. And for the first time ever that I've ever shared this story as a public speaker was talking about my good old friend, Mick Thompson. And here we are. Ironically, he just happens to appear being the guest speaker today with all of you guys. Mick, I miss you. I love you. And I wanted to come on here because I was not going to miss the opportunity, you know, in our careers, When you go and you're in the industry for so many years, like Mick has, he has paved the way for so many people like Menina, you guys heard at the very beginning, you've heard the other people that he has mentioned, major choreographers that have paved the way for for all of you guys. And most of you guys that don't even know the names that he mentioned, definitely follow Menina's advice, do your research, go back into the video and follow up because these are the people, these are the staples. These are the ones that paved the way that allowed us to be who 
we are right now. They're the ones that open the doors for us to be able to have recognition as artists, not just as dancers anymore, but we have our own right, our own fame through social media. And Mick is one of these beautiful souls that has impacted the lives of so many people around the world. And I'm one of them. And I wanted to jump on here because about 25 years ago, I think it was, I had my first gig with Mick. I had never taken a dance class in my life. And uh, through a friend of a friend, I, I was recommended to go and audition for an entertainment company called Wayne Foster Entertainment. Oh, my gosh. Which... <laughs> Which which he happened to be a dancer for. Every dancer, for. every dancer did Wayne Foster. I love it. Right? So, Sorry. So, so there's so many some there's so many points to this that to unpack for all of you guys, and this is so important on how to build relationships. But I I was told to give this entertainment company a call. They were booking dancers. I'd never taken a dance class in my life. <laughs> I wanted to kind of see what it was about. I went audition. I booked it. I was like, oh snap, you know, and I was like. <laughs> I, I don't know how I did it. Anyways, on my first gig, I happened to go and dance. And here's this beautiful, high, strong, energy, charismatic, <laughs> crazy guy that everybody happened to know. Like, oh, my God, this is Mick Thompson and this and that, you know, and we're doing the event and the gig and this and that. And he's having great energy. Long story short, at the end of the event, we were on the bus ride home and him and oh, I yeah. sat next to each other. We uh -huh. sat next to each other and, you know, I was just like this eager beaver kid, you know, I'm, I'm mind you, this is 25 years ago and I'm like this eager kid. And I know about Meg Thompson because everybody's talked about him of all the things that he's done <laughs> in, in the industry. And I'm, and I coming from a third world country wanted a one day dance for Michael Jackson. And here I am sitting to this lead next to this legend who's danced with Michael. And I'm just like asking him everything and I'm being vulnerable. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing this and that, you know, and I'm just like spewing my heart out. And if you've noticed his energy, it's, it's, it's contagious, it's magnetic. And so all of a sudden I just started talking in a higher pitched voice and a speed that I've never, <laughs> that I've never spoken before. And I'm just telling him everything. I'm like, how do you do this? And this and that. And then he started asking about my story and he was so dumbfounded about the fact that I had never taken a dance class, I, this was my first event that I had ever booked. And at that time, I can't remember if it was that you were signed with Michael McCaskey or you knew him as a friend. And that the name I just said, he was an agent for Daniel Hoff Agency, which had a, a, a dance agency back then. And this guy, Michael McCaskey, used to be the casting director of uh, Star Search, a 1980s dance show, kind of like what you guys know as America's Best Dance Crew or AGT and things yeah. of that nature. It was like the the, the start of that. Yep. And I remember. I remember that City. show too. You remember that, Manina? <laughs> that, 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 honestly, that was the show that inspired me to dance. Personality Plus. Uh, I don't. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but they there was a, a little group of little girls, and I was like, I want to be like them one day. And that I used to stay up till midnight with my dad. We used to record on VHS. I used to like mimic the moves. I didn't know any who who the who's were, but I found out that a lot of them were LA dancers eventually that I ended up working with. But yeah, Star Search was the show, at least when I was a kid. It was like the So You Think You Can Dance yeah. of this generation. It was. So anyways, to, to get to the point, he asked me about my story and he was impressed on the fact that I had never taken a dance class. And I remember this just yeah. because I was honest, just because I was scared, just because I was real, just because I was vulnerable. 
he said to me something that helped me pave the way for my dance career. And he said, you know what? I'm going to give my agent a call or my friend. I can't remember at the time. He said, I'm going to give him a call and we'll just see. And I remember about a week later, I got a call from Michael McCaskey, the, uh, the dance agent for Daniel Hoff Agency at the time. And he called me and he said, I had a great conversation with Mick Thompson about you. And this <laughs> agent had never seen me dance. And right on the spot over the phone, he signed me. I was with Daniel Hoff with that agency for two years. And my agent never once saw me dance. And it was because of the relationship and the friendship that I build with this beautiful man known as Mick Thompson, you know, and there's very few people that you guys are going to come across in your careers that what I consider my guardian angels. These are the people that have come in my life that have blessed me, that have pushed me at one point or another by a conversation, by a connection, by encouragement, by advice that helped elevate me where I am today. And because of that, I am here being able to speak to so many of you guys and now speaking around the world to corporate Fortune 500s and entrepreneurs and using these stories that I learned through the entertainment industry and building relationships like the one that I have with Mick Thompson to where I can inspire other people to build good intentional relationships. And throughout the last 25 years, God, Mick and I have worked on countless projects together that for whatever reason, one way or another, they were either a flop, something happened, <laughs> they didn't work out, you know, and it was always no matter what throughout the years, I would always get a phone call from Mick, JJ, I got this project, we're going to go, do, we're going to do this, it's going to be great, it's going to be amazing, we're going to do da 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 Anytime he called, I'd show up. Yeah. And regardless, regardless of whether it worked out or not, it's one of those relationships that will never die. And so I wanted mm -hmm. to come here and first and foremost, just first, thank you, Mick, for helping me get my start. And second, to share the story with all of you guys, to give you an idea of the importance of building intentional relationships. You never know who you're sitting next to. You never know who's going to give you a helping hand. You never know when the people that offer you advice, a conversation, or a recommendation, referral of some sort, whether it turns out to something great or it turns into a flop, how long they will last in your life. And this is a friendship that has lasted a lifetime that will last for even an eternity and I am so grateful for having him share the wisdom that he has listening to him on this call with all of you guys that are starting out your careers. And as you guys take a glance at all of these beautiful faces that you guys see on this screen and that you guys connect with through that throughout this program and through any event that you guys go to, whether it's a competition, convention, or, or show, remember these people matter and never be transactional, be intentional, because I promise you, you will one day need a Mick Thompson in your life to help you elevate yourself to the next level of your career. Oh, God bless you, JJ. Thank you so much. I, I can't even tell you how, how you make me feel. And, and I'm so blessed to hear you talking to me again today. I, I, I cherish you and I'm so glad to, to see how you're progressing and what you're up to. And I still haven't lost hope in of doing a project that's going to be really awesome together. <laughs> I still got you on my number one plate, bro. You know? <laughs> and you know, I'm always there on the very first plane out to just be there for you no matter what. 
Everybody, just so you know, when I did the Ratatouille show, JJ was the my idea of the perfect character for the cooking in the kitchen. And uh, he came out to the audition and he just he worked it out. It's like he was my Disney Ratatouille uh, fierce person. That was the, one of the first times I saw you dance doing the choreography that I gave you. And it was just like the best. I, I, I kept on all the people from Disney. I said, this is who I want, you know, so. Yeah, you know, I always remember that too, you know. So just just yeah. to, with with that quick story, just so that you guys know, there's so many factors outside of your talent that take into account and in whether or not you do or you don't get a job. And being the fact that Mick was so huge with Disney, you know, I just I mean, look at me. I just don't look like a Disney character. (laughs) And and although and although his heart was in the right place and he would always come out or he would always call me to be part of his skeleton crew, which if you guys don't know what that is, it's what he was talking about earlier, where he finds an assistant or dancers that he sets the, the, the piece on first before he brings on or anybody brings on the actual cast of the show. And so just Keep those things in mind when you guys have blessings like having people like Mick Thompson be on these type of calls. The questions that you ask yourself, I love listening to all of your questions. And also make sure that it's you're not only tapping to the history of the people that speak and share their knowledge with you, but also find powerful questions that within their knowledge, you can discern information of how it's going to help you move forward to be the best dancer you can be in your career. So Mick, I love you with all of my heart. Menina, thank you for this opportunity to give me a chance to just after 25 years, although we, we talk here and there, to f- go full circle to now be a part of a program that, that we're here helping the shine the light for others to uh, to have their spotlight on the stage. Thank you, JJ. JJ and Menina, you two are like right here as my number. You guys it means so much to me, and I'm so glad uh-huh. that we are going to have a continued professional relationship as time goes on. Okay? Big, Big hearts heart. to you, Mick. Yeah. All the dancers, give some love to Mick Thompson. You guys have no idea. He's not Instagram famous, but let me tell you, he has worked with the best of the best for decades. I mean, this man is historical in the dance community. Yeah. Anybody that you've ever admired has probably been trained by someone that he's taught or been a part of his <laughs> cast and truly an honor to bring you on. Nick, thank you for reaching out. It was kind of out of the blue, but guys, this week I was so busy with the Hollywood summer tour. I didn't have a chance to like coordinate. I'm like, who's my next guest? And guess what? Mick Thompson reaches out and he's like, Hey, Manina, I'm so proud of you and you're all the things you're doing. Let's work together. Is there anything you've got going on? And I was like, actually I do. And, here we are. Yes. and I had no idea. I've been working with JJ for, for years and, and never knew you guys had a story until yeah. recently. And he was just like, Hey, I want to, I want to give a shout out to Mick and we have a big history. I'm like, we have a big history. So <laughs> it's well, amazing. You guys have just made my whole entire day, my whole entire week, my whole entire month, my whole entire year. I love you guys both so much. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. 
And that concludes another episode of the Business of Dance podcast. We hope you found today's conversation insightful and gained valuable knowledge. Be sure to join us next time for more inspiring interviews with top professionals in the dance industry. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the Business of Dance on your favorite platform and take a moment to leave a review. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. This podcast is brought to you by the Business of Dance online mentorship program to help aspiring professional dancers create their dream dance careers. Thank you for listening. Until next time.